Good morning, everyone. It's uh, lovely to see you this morning. My name's Ian, and um, I always speak with a loud echo and reverb. Uh, just to say, as uh, just before we were going to um, pray and then uh, dive into God's Word together, um, on Wednesday start, sees the start of the Alpha course that we're running, and so in the on the tables uh, on the, as you go out and at coffee stop, there's uh, there's little cards. Uh, which is kind of a little explanation of what it is and uh, things you can take uh, if you want to give it to somebody else or if you're interested or you know somebody who might be. Uh, we're starting this week on Wednesday, Wednesday evening, um, but it'll be, it'll be a lovely time together. Maybe it's a, a refresher or just a chance to come together uh, in a small group and, uh, and talk through some of these things in a sort of safe and uh, loving environment. So um, that's, uh, that's there if you would like it. Let's uh, let's pray together, and uh, and then we'll uh, we'll dive into to what we're going to look at for this morning. Heavenly Father, we're thankful and grateful for the opportunity to gather around Your Word this morning. Father, I pray that as we uh, as we read it and explore it together. I pray, Father, that this would be your word for your people, through your servant, by your spirit, and for your glory. Lord, we give you this time, we give you ourselves, not to go through the motions again, but because we want to meet and encounter you. Father, we want our our lives to be being transformed. Father, we pray that you would, uh, you would soften our hearts and give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are continuing our, our sermon series, Encountering God. Uh, we're looking through the Bible at various different people uh, and, and how they met and encountered the Lord God uh, for themselves. We're in Luke's Gospel today. We're in Luke chapter 24. We're going to be looking at uh, the road to Emmaus. And while you're finding that in your Bibles, uh, let me begin by by a little story. And uh, we're just thinking a little bit today about how sometimes you you meet somebody who's done something extraordinary, something incredible, but you might meet them in a really uh, normal, ordinary sort of way. And that will come clear as we go on. So if I was to ask you this morning, who has heard of somebody called Christian Caramber? Okay. He's not a theologian. He's not a writer. Has anyone else heard of just Christie? Okay. Well, let's see how we get on. I thought as much. Christian Carambo was a professional footballer in the late 90s, early 2000s, and uh, he played for some of the big sides in Europe. And he was part of the French national squad that won the World Cup in France 98 and part of the squad that won the European Championships in the year 2000. So professionally, he has achieved just the the most that an international footballer can achieve. World Cup winner, European Championship winner. As an Englishman, I'd take one of them. But he he has has won both of them uh, just two years apart. Well, back in 2005, I was uh, was in Manchester Airport, and uh, don't worry, I was there for a reason. I was about to get on a plane. And, uh, and I was with a, a group of, of young folk. We were heading out to Albania on a mission trip. 
And I think at the, at the time, we were kind of giving those who volunteered to lead us a sense of what the next two weeks was going to look like for them. And as we're in there waiting around in the airport, there's a group of people went past us all in the same track suits, kit bags, all kind of looking quite athletic. And, uh, and we were fairly sharp back then. And we thought, that's probably a football team. And a little bit of detective work as we went along and kind of they were, they were waiting along the corridor actually to get on the same flight we were getting on. And we just kind of casually walked past them and we saw that they all had the same badge. It was an Olympiakos badge. They're a, a Greek football team. And we thought, oh, I wonder if there's anyone sort of famous, somebody we might know. And as we walked along, he's a quite a distinctive looking gentleman, or he was. And, uh, and we get a long term and we say, oh, that's Christian Caramber. World Cup winner, European Championship winner, somebody who's achieved it professionally in international football, somebody who's achieved so much. And there he is, sat just a few seats away, waiting for the same plane, doing the same sort of ordinary thing that what we're doing. And it's remarkable sometimes that we meet somebody who's achieved so much in one sense, but we can meet them in just a very ordinary, normal sort of way. I remember Heather and I once went on holiday and because we you know, live life on the edge and we're fairly extreme sort of people, we were in Castle Douglas, <laughs> just in the southwest of Scotland, because that's how we roll. And, the, and there was just a big, there was lots and lots of people everywhere moving around with what's going on. And the, and the queen was there. The queen had followed us there. And... Uh, <laughs> Just, just walking along the kind of main street. We're 100 yards away from the Queen. Somebody who, who, who lives an extraordinary life, but just doing an ordinary thing in an ordinary place. I know there's folks, uh, it's at least a couple of folks in this church who have uh, encountered Tyson Fury. I think somebody served him a Costa coffee or bumped, bumped into him along the, along the beach. Sometimes we meet some people who have achieved extraordinary things, but in a very ordinary way. What we're going to look at this morning is going to blow any of those stories out of the water. We're going to, we're going to see two people who encounter a risen Jesus as they walk along the road. Let's just notice the context before we read the passage together. Earlier on in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 9, We read this, as the time approached for him, that is Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. The end of Luke chapter 9, Jesus is setting out for Jerusalem. That is where he's going. Because that's where the the climax, the crescendo of his earthly ministry is going to take place. And he heads to Jerusalem where he's betrayed by a friend. He is abandoned by his followers. He's given over to the authorities. He's beaten and nailed to a Roman cross. And that leaves the followers of Jesus absolutely defeated. Their expectations are totally dashed. They've lost their hope. They're confused. They're full of grief, hopeless and overwhelmingly sad. And it is the third day since all these events took place. Now, Luke tells us at the beginning of chapter 24 that some women had gone to the tomb early on that day and they'd found the tomb empty, the stone rolled away. They'd seen angels who say that the Lord Jesus is alive. The disciples had gone to to check it out. They'd run to the tomb. They'd found it empty, but they hadn't seen Jesus. And that's where we pick up the story. Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 13. 
Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked alongside them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. When some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are. How slow to believe all the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem where they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has, has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Let's stop there. Let's, uh, let's just begin with the, the big picture of what's going on here and remind ourselves of the big story. We're going to get to the detail in a moment. But the big story is that Jesus has come from heaven and stepped into this world that he has created. He's lived life as a man and then has, uh, has been killed in Jerusalem just as it was prophesied that he would be. He's been nailed to the cross. But he's risen from the dead. Surely the most significant moment in all of history. This is God's rescue mission has been a success. Jesus has fulfilled all that was spoken about him. And now he has risen from the dead. He's defeated our greatest enemy. Sin, hell, sickness, darkness, death has been defeated by the resurrection of Jesus. And he has 40 days on earth as the resurrected Jesus before he ascends into heaven and will give his spirit to those who will love and follow him. And our passage centers around that resurrection day 
Now that same day, verse 13, this is, this is resurrection day. This is that day, the day Jesus has just achieved that incredible victory. The day that he has defeated death, that very same day, he has what seems to be a very ordinary walk with two disillusioned and defeated disciples. So what I want us to do is to to spend a few moments looking at three seemingly very ordinary ways in which these two two disciples encounter the risen Jesus. And let me say, just as we... It's a long introduction, isn't it? Just before we start. Don't worry. The risen Jesus appears to people in lots of different ways. Mary thought he was the gardener. He appeared to Thomas and he said, put your hands in, my, in the wounds on my hands and my side. He, he spoke to, to Paul on the road to Damascus, a voice from heaven and a dazzling light. So Jesus appears in extraordinary ways. But this morning we're going to look at a very ordinary way in which he appears. And it's, it's beautifully powerful, comforting, gentle and incredible. Three, three ways in which these disillusioned disciples meet the risen Jesus. Number one, he walked with them. He walked with them. Verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. I absolutely love this. Just take a moment to ponder what's happening here. Jesus, the risen saviour, The one who's just triumphed over death. Has 40 days before he'll ascend to heaven. And he chooses to spend an afternoon with these two disheartened followers. I love his humility. I love his gentleness. You know, he could have appeared in a flaming light. In majesty and splendor. And there'll be a time for that. It could have been a loud voice from heaven to get their attention. He could have come alongside them straight away, rolled his sleeves up, look at the marks. But he doesn't. He shows incredible grace and tenderness and love as he walks alongside them. This isn't a show. It's not a show. This is about this is about them. This is about people. And he's not rushed. I love that about Jesus. He's not rushed. One more time. He's not rushed. He's not rushed. He walks alongside them. This is a ministry of presence. And it's worth noting that in a sense, in in one sense, the disciples are walking the wrong way. Jesus has spent 14 chapters in Luke heading towards Jerusalem. And to achieve all the things that have been written about the the Messiah that will come, this promised rescuer. And everything that needed to happen has happened. God's rescue plan has, has been fulfilled perfectly. These two men have witnessed it all. They've seen it all. And they've missed it. And they're walking away. They're walking away. They're walking the wrong direction, in a sense. And Jesus comes and walks alongside them. And they will turn round. But he walks alongside them before they get there. I love the patience and grace that Jesus shows. It's so wonderful to realize that the Lord Jesus still walks with us. 
He walks with us. He's ascended into heaven and he's, and he's given us his spirit who comes to live within those who love and trust in him. And he walks with us. He walks with us. He walks with us as you head into that interview. He walks with us as we go for the appointment. He's with us in the car after we've dropped the kids off at school drop-off. He's with us as we make dinner that we're wondering if anyone's actually going to eat it. He's with us as we're at home on our own. He's with us in the light. He's with us in the dark. He's with us in summer and he's with us in winter. He is with us. He promises never to leave us or forsake us. Jesus still walks with his disciples. He still walks with his disciples. And what I want to encourage us to do this week is to cultivate our awareness of his presence with us. Let's cultivate our awareness of his presence with us. He has promised he'll not leave us for forsake us. He comes to dwell. He comes to dwell within us, to live within us, to make his home in us. So as we're going through our daily walk, as we're going through the normality of life, let's recognize his presence. Thank him for his presence with us in the car, heading into the meeting, driving home from work, going to see family. Let's let's thank him for his presence with him. Let's recognize his presence with us. As we're watching that film, Let's thank him for his presence with us, cultivating our awareness of his presence with us. Jesus walked with them. Secondly, Jesus talked with them. Again, it seems so ordinary. It seems so every day. Verse 14. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk? Again, I I love this. Look at what the Lord Jesus is doing. He comes alongside and he asks this question. Jesus asks them this question. Jesus has just defeated death. He's just risen from the grave. He's just achieved an eternal salvation for mankind. And he appears with these two disciples and he says, what are you talking about? Have you noticed that when people talk, they tend to talk about the things that are important to them? I wonder if you notice, you meet a a friend for a coffee or you, you, you meet a colleague at work and they're back on the same subject again. You know, they're back on about the health issues or about money or politics or the grandchildren or football, or whatever it is, but they're talking about those things again because they're important to them. Because that's what's going on in their mind at this time. That's what's filling their heart. You know, they're talking about that health issue because that's what's keeping them awake at night. That's where the mind's going. That's the track they're running around. We talk about what's important to us. And this is an incredible question Jesus asks. What are you discussing together as you walk? What's on your mind? What's on the tip of your tongue? What's filling your head? What's filling your heart at the moment? And the risen saviour who has just achieved this incredible salvation says, what are you talking about? What's filling your heart and mind? 
please don't rush past this. Please don't rush past it. The Lord of heaven is powerful and strong. His salvation is incredible. And yet he takes the time to say, what are you discussing together as you walk? What are you discussing together as you walk? Can I encourage us this week, not only to cultivate our awareness of the presence of Jesus, but to talk to him this week. Take time to talk to Jesus. Let's change that. Make time. Make time to talk with Jesus. Postpone watching that show. Just take that half an hour. Turn the radio off in the car for a few minutes and talk to the Lord. Carve out time. And we say, well, what, what, would, what do I say? Where do I start? Where do I begin? Talk to Jesus about what fills your mind. What is it that goes round and round? Tell him about it. Talk to him about it. You know that conversation you keep having where you really put that person in their place? Tell Jesus about it. Really, please do it. Tell him about it. Pray for them. Pray about it. That movie you watched and it fired some things off in your heart. Tell the Lord Jesus about it. Talk to him. Engage him. What are you talking about as you walk along the way? Turn your thoughts into prayers. Journey with him. Walk with him. Talk with him. Cultivate an awareness of his presence with you every day. Speak it out to the Lord. And I love that the disciples tell Jesus what they're thinking. Now there's a note here that, and it's, Maybe it's slightly humorous, I don't know. But look at what they tell him. Verse 17. They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? He's sort of saying, Where have you been? He's looking at Jesus, saying, he's looking at Jesus and he's saying, Where have you been? And Jesus is saying, it's all been about me. It's all been centered around me. It's, I've been in everything. I've been in everything. And then they, then they say, verse 22, in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that. Had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the angel had said, but they did not see Jesus. <laughs> they're, they're, they're talking with Jesus right now. They're looking at him and they're saying, we've, we've been to the empty tomb, but we haven't seen Jesus as they look at him. So, so what's happening then here? So what's that about? Well, at least in part, I think Jesus, in his grace and tenderness and care, is saying, what are you talking about as you walk along? They, they need to get it out. They need to speak it out. There's going to be some really good news coming very soon. But they need to get, they need to kind of speak out their expectations. We had hoped, they said. That's a very, very sad sentence. We had hoped. I had hoped. That's a sad sentence. And they need to sort of 
be processing, dealing with we had hoped before they can get the much better that's on its way. Jesus walks with them and talks with them. Can I encourage us as we walk and talk with the Lord Jesus this week to be honest as we engage with him, to be honest, to share our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions. Not dramatic, it's not a movie. It's not for a story to be told later on. Not dramatic, but honest. God, it is my conviction that God only works in reality. God only works in reality. Thirdly and finally, Jesus walks with them, he talks with them, and he opens the scriptures to them. Verse 25, he says, he said to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now this might seem, might seem odd to us as we, as we read it to begin with. This is the risen saviour of the world. Surely he could just, like we said, roll up his sleeves and show them the scars. Show them the earmarks. I mean, we would just rush to, to talk about this victory, wouldn't we? But he doesn't. He, he takes them to the scriptures. So why? Why is he doing that? And, and, and there's probably lots of reasons. I want to suggest simply one to ponder. I think he's doing that because it, he wants to give them a foundation to place their experiences of him in or on. You see, if we just have the experience of, of Jesus, when we, when we go through the dark times, we can question things. Let me explain what I mean. When John the Baptist uh, began his ministry and, and he saw Jesus walking past, he said, look, you know, he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He, he, he knows who Jesus is. He's the promised rescuer. He's the promised Messiah. And, and, and things are going well. Later on, John is put in prison and he's in the darkness and he's on his own. And things are not looking so good for John and they're not going to finish particularly well for him either. And when he's in prison, he sends his disciples to Jesus and he says to say, are you the one or should we be waiting for somebody else? Charles Price used to say, don't question in the dark what God has told you in the light. See, when we're in the dark... We can start to think, have I, what was that about? What was that other season in life about? What was that meeting about? And Jesus takes the disciples, these disciples, and he, and, he, and he explores the Bible to them to say, this is what the Messiah was going to be. This is what it's going to be like. Look, this is who the Messiah is. He gives them something solid, a foundation, which was going to help them to, to kind of shape and, and, and form their expectations. And, and, and there's going to be some wonderful experiences that they have, but they're going to be grounded and, and, and held by the scriptures. We meet Jesus in his word. Verse 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he, he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? This week, let's... Walk with Jesus. Let's cultivate our awareness that he is walking with us. You don't have to ask him to walk with us. 
He is walking with us. If we know and love him, if we've, if, we've, if we've chosen to follow him, he is with us. Let's develop our awareness of that. Let's talk to him and let's make time to be in his word. For that is one of the ways that we encounter him. The Lord Jesus, on the day he beats death, goes for a walk with two disillusioned disciples. He walks with them, he talks with them, and he opens the Bible to them. What a wonderful saviour. Let me pray as we close. Heavenly Father, we, uh, if we would keep on reading from Luke 24, we'd soon find ourselves in Acts And your people from Jerusalem would once again be scattered as persecution broke out. And once again, your disciples would be on the roads leading out of Jerusalem. But this time, they would have hope. This time, they would have purpose. This time, they were being sent. Father, we thank you for the transformation that you bring in our lives. And thank you, Lord, that you do that in lots of ways, but in the ways we've been thinking about this morning, how you walk with us and talk with us and meet us in the Bible. I pray that as we go into this new week, that we'd be more aware of your presence with us in the ordinary. Father, I pray that as we uh, plan our time, that we would seek to, to, to prioritize our time with you. And you'll enable us to enjoy your presence and be honest as we share. And may this week we be found in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.